Hello, Wigs and Snatchettes, and welcome back to another episode of the Snatch Podcast, Season 3, Noir, Black, and Back Again. Uh, you're here with your host, Ewart, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host of all co-hosts, uh, Latoya. Good morning. Woo! Good afternoon. <laughs> Um, so just uh, a quick kind of like PR thank you so much and also a shout out I should say to everybody who's been listening to season three so far and thank you to everybody who's given us mm-hmm. feedback we really really appreciate it um, if you're not following us already please ensure that you follow us um, on Instagram snapshot podcast or you can follow and listen to the episodes and of this season and previous seasons as well um, on Spotify SoundCloud and iTunes as well soon to be on Amazon um so as i said welcome back to another episode this is um episode three of season three um and this is called uh good morning black britain um and in this episode we're going to be exploring uh the black experience within the workplace so whether it is corporate or retail or whatever sector it is but actually the black experience in just work mm-hmm. in general i think we can all appreciate that um being a uh, a black person or a, a person from a minority ethnic group uh, can comes with its challenges yeah. in 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 the corporate world. Um, and in this episode, what we want to be doing is basically exploring some of these challenges that potentially both of us have faced um, and how we've overcome them. But then equally, really looking at what organisations can do to support uh, ethnic minority groups yes. in the workplace. Um, I don't necessarily think that. I think there's been a lot of noise. Obviously, as we know, um, in the industry, there's been the rise of uh, uh, chief inclusion and diversity officers mm-hmm. um, in organisations up by 120%. Wow. Um, however, it's more than just creating a title. So we'll probably be exploring actually what organisations can still continue mm-hmm. to do and equally what they're doing um, already. Yeah. So that is to give you a little bit of context as, as of uh, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> very much so it's going to be juicy anything to add Latoya? I think it's just going to be very juicy I'm sure there'll be similarities that we've both faced in the workplace and trying to get our careers off the ground but also maybe some differences yeah. as a because, because gender wise as men and women there are different paths yeah. that we go to, go through um and go down basically when trying to like yeah. get, get our careers off the ground um for so sure. I definitely feel like there'll be something relatable for everybody um even if yeah. you're not a black male or black woman, but maybe just as a man or woman, you will also definitely may have seen or experienced similar things. So I definitely yeah. think we've got a lot yeah. of, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Intersectionality. They, Intersectionality. There you go, with the workplace. So yeah, it's going to be a great episode. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to kick straight off. And I've got a little bit of, not a controversial kind of uh, question, yeah. but just a little bit of a, it's a nice one, isn't it? <laughs> it's a nice kind of question. Latoya, what did you want to be when you were younger? Oh. So what did you want to be when oh, you were younger? I'm going to laugh, but I really wanted to be Janet Jackson's backup dancer. And I also, <laughs> I'm not even lying. Sorry. I really did. And I wanted to, or a lawyer. I had a few things. So I wanted to be a lawyer. Then I was like, oh, I'm going to be a fashion designer. And then I'm... Um, mm. I wanted to be Janet Jackson's backup dancer as well. After my career, I was having a little rest and I'll go dance with Janet Jackson on her world tours because I loved dance. I loved music. Um, But the serious ones, the choices were either going to be a lawyer or a fashion designer, which are two very, very different careers. But that kind of tells you a little bit about my personality. It's either very, Mm -hmm. can be very creative or very kind of very serious and astute and very kind of, I am all for like uh, people's rights. Still, even now to this Mm -hmm. day, um maybe it is a route I should have gone down but I think I don't really know what happened I think I just kind of got caught up in the kind of like the creative idea of being a designer and I loved Mm -hmm. art I loved textiles but I think in the back of my mind I've always loved like the idea of being a lawyer I've always loved the idea of um standing up for people but also I'm very interested in how the human mind works and why people do the things that they do Mm. so I think I ended up doing a psychology a level because for that very reason which had nothing to do with the other creative mm. subjects I was doing just because I was so interested in how the human mind operates and how why people behave the way they do towards each other mm. but I just never went down that path I never really thought about it and I think I don't know many people in my um circle of friends I'm sure there are some like you know six degrees of separation there probably are people who know lawyers but in my immediate circle I don't really know any lawyers my age group um Mm. at all I've met people in my age group who are lawyers 
but I'm going to say most of the ones that I've met, if not all, maybe that's do my circles, but they've all been white. So I've never met mm. any black lawyers in my immediate and kind of secondary circle. But that's not to say that black lawyers mm. don't exist. I know that they are there. Um, but it's very funny because African parents tell you to do law. They tell you to do accountancy. They tell you to be a doctor. Um, but what is the success rate for black people in these sectors is what I'd like to know. I don't have the stats, mm. but if uh, people did have the numbers, then that, that would be good to know. And I mean more so in this country. I know in America and obviously in the Caribbean and obviously in Africa, there will be a wider proportion of people who are black lawyers and black doctors because that's like the population makeup. We could do that. But in this country yeah. where we make up, is it ethnic minorities or 13% of this population? How many lawyers do we really mm. know? That's quite depressing, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know mm. what you think about that, but I'm a bit like, it's yeah, quite no. like depressing numbers or quite depressing to think that I'm, I don't really know many. I don't know if you do. Uh, no, I know people studying, yeah. um, but like not, do I? Do I... I know about me one or two black doctors yes. and psychologists, um, lawyers, not yet. Yeah. No, not yet, not yet. But I, I think I think it's really good that, um, or I agree with your point in terms of actually it'd be really nice to obviously find out yeah. those stats um, because you are right. And I think we'll get on to kind of like, you know, how potentially like the, our parents like influence our decisions mm. in what we actually make, what um, influence the decisions in um, that we do in terms of like career-wise. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's quite interesting. I think when I was younger, what did I want to be? I wanted to be an air okay. pilot or an astronaut. Yeah, I really wanted to be a captain of a plane. <laughs> I really love planes. I really love space. I still love space yeah. now. I'm a little bit of a geek. I do have the NASA app love on my it. phone. And I actually look at like, you know, like, yeah, I know it's a little bit crazy. Actually. <laughs> uh, I get alerts as well. How, how geeky is that? I get alerts by like little comments, co- comments, comments that uh, have been found wow. or black holes that have been found. So I've always wanted to be kind of like, uh, yeah, an astronaut. Clearly, I did not go into that craft. Um, An air pilot, I didn't go into that craft either. Uh, Um, I was always quite, I don't know, I I wanted to be an air pilot because I really liked the idea of flying. Yeah. Just flying, being free. I think it kind of like links into kind of my my star sign, Aquarian man. (laughs) (laughs) Mind of his own, likes to be free, quite free-spirited. So I think it's something that um, flying has always been something Mm. that um, interested me. but then I would say, yeah, I definitely had that creative flair so in terms of like drama and dance. So at a very young age, I thought that I found out that I was quite good at it or I had mm-hmm. like a, a talent for that. So I think that's where kind of like the career or my education kind of uh, focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always quite interested in kind of like human behavior and I didn't take psychology as an A level. You did or you didn't? Instead, I'd done geography. I did ah. not. I'd done geography. But who wanted to do geography? You know what? I was following fashion. That's what I was doing with my friends, following fashion. Um, but yeah, didn't do psychology, but it's always been quite interested mm. in like human behaviour and how obviously humans operate. Yeah. Um, which on reflection, you know what? Probably wouldn't have been quite good. Yeah. You know, I should have taken psychology. Um, but yeah, I was just interested in that. Um, you know, what we wanted to be when we grew when we were younger is very different to what we are and the craft that we're working in now um do you feel that um I know you mentioned around you know when parents say you need to be a doctor you need to be a lawyer you need to be this do you feel that your parents influenced Mm. the decisions that you made in terms of in the career aspect or in your uh in your Mm. uh career now I don't feel my mum was very pushy about it she her thing has always been like to get a degree I'm not sure that she was too bothered about which degree it was I think her thing was she wanted us to have a degree something to fall back on so that we could get work because from her understanding of coming here as an immigrant you needed some form of formal education or higher education in order to get into the workplace so I don't think that she was too stressed about what degree we're doing she kind of asked I I went into the fashion degree and was like can you get a job with that and I was like yeah I'm gonna be a designer but obviously you gotta think in Ghana there are people mm. who are tailors and seamstresses who have businesses. They have not gone to formal university to go and do a degree in fashion. So in that way, I don't think she was viewing it as, oh, you're wasting your time being a fashion designer. You're not going to get work because you've got to think 
from that viewpoint, she's seen people who run their own businesses successfully without degrees who are making clothes for, you know, diplomats or making clothes for that local people, but still getting paid. So I don't think she <clears throat> saw it as a waste of a degree. But I know that for some of my peers, especially when I was in college, they did not have that same freedom. It was you're going to do something, a serious subject um, mm. so that you could get work. Looking back, I think I realised that I really loved the flair of fashion and stuff and really interested in it. But I think there was a few things at play with why I didn't go into it as a career. One is that I felt mm. that um, I already saw from a young age the kind of um, institutional racism within the fashion industry, to put it quite bluntly. I already knew that I was on the back foot as a as a black woman trying to get into the industry because most of the times it was um, white males, actually, um, who do really well in the fashion industry. Women actually don't do as well. I mean, I don't have numbers mm. to back that up, but I think you can see that if you look at the schedule for Fashion Week, um, it is mostly white males who dominate or uh, people from the Far East who dominate. Um, so I already knew that. And then secondly... I realised that actually, going back to me doing the psychology degree and stuff, I was actually more interested in the in why consumers shop and why people are influenced mm. by um, fashion and influenced by advertisements, why they're influenced by um, the information they receive from the industry. Why is it so powerful that we are all going to go and buy like Jordans? Why, why is that happening? So mm. in hindsight, I probably should have done, had a bit more maybe a better guidance, especially from a careers advisor at college, that maybe a fashion marketing degree might have been really good for me or fashion management degree would have been better for me. I think fashion marketing would have been what would have, I really would have sunk my teeth into that. I think I really, really, really would have loved that. And I think it would have, I still maybe would have gone on a similar trajectory, but I think I would have got to my destination a little bit more quickly because I had a lot, I realised I have a love for both of them. Um, maybe not so much fashion so much. I don't really care so much about fashion, but more advertising and more like imagery. I'm more interested in that than I am about the actual clothes. I really don't give a shit about the clothes. Um, mm. But I think that African parents, they are, or I mean, let's just say African parents, immigrant parents are sometimes they're coming from places of poverty where people do not have the same um, expect, sorry, the same, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's completely blank. The same chances. I can't think of the exact word I'm looking for, but the same chances mm -hmm. as um, you know, people from the Western world. So they see degrees as really important, and they don't want you to waste this precious three years that you're possibly getting government funding to help you get a job. That they want you to get a job. They don't want you to be struggling the way that they may have done in their upbringing. Mm. So I think my experience has been that black parents can be a little more harsh on the degrees that you choose to do. And actually they can be a lot more, but they're not doing it because they don't want you to be you. They're doing it because they want you to be able to prosper in a society that doesn't want you to. They want you to stay mm -hmm. below the glass ceiling. Um, but that's my experience. And I'm not going to say that's the same for everybody. There could be like, you know, white peers who have the same thing where they weren't allowed to do creative degrees. I think if you're from like a poorer background, and you're using that opportunity to go to university, I can imagine there will be crossover in terms of like what your parents are saying to you about going to university and what you mm. should be studying. Because if you're a white working class or, or from a poor background, you may never get the same um, opportunities as someone who's white middle class or white upper class to access those like rich circles. You're not going to go to Eton, are you? So if you've got that one chance mm. to get into a lot of debt to study, why not get into debt? And suddenly something where you know you're guaranteed to get a job to lift yourself and mm. your family maybe out of poverty. So I think there's crossover. Mm. I don't think it's just maligned to the maligned, aligned to the black ex experience. But I definitely think with us as black people, where our parents have immigrated over, it's got a big influence on what we study. Mm. I don't know if that's the same for you with your degree. Yeah. I think with my degree, I think actually, I think mum has always been quite super supportive in the degree that I wanted to go and study. So uh, for the Wigs and Satchets who don't know, um, i done drama and physical dance theatre um, at university. And a lot of people like to say, as soon as I say that, everyone's probably thinking, oh, but there, was he a tree? Was he this? <laughs> was he? You know, you get the stereotypical, I was like, okay, what does that mean? But actually, you know what? The degree was really intense. Like we studied like elements of like uh, psychology, Freud, uh, Carl wow. Jung. Um, we had studied like English. Like it was... A a really weird but very 
rich um, uh, a degree to study. And I think that when um, mum was supportive in me doing the degree, do I think mum was always been supportive in terms of going into the creative arts uh but prior to that, so I'm talking about like, you know, when I was at high school and college, maybe not so much, mm. uh, just because actually I don't think that she, fa- I remember her saying to me one time, she was just like, you think winding up your waist, the music is going to come and pay the bills. Yeah. Um, so actually it's almost like, you know, you need to go out and get a proper mm-hmm. job. Um, and I hate it when people use that word, oh, this is, a, I need to get a real job. Mm. Or like, if you work in retail, this is not a real job. But actually, you know, that is someone's job um, and that's someone's real job. So I think she was supportive of me in terms of, um, yeah, me doing my degree. Um, but I think that's after she had seen what I could do and the performances mm. that I used to put on. But I think prior to that, it was actually, you know what, it is the maths, it's the science, it's the English. Okay, cool. You need to go and do like a stable job to maybe not necessarily like a doctor, but work in somewhere that's, you know, work in medicine yeah, yeah. or uh, work in um, in media, but a writer or something like mm. that. Um, so it was, and although there's being a writer is actually still creative to yeah. be fair. Um, but, you know, I think it's less, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I need to help me out. It's not less creative in comparison to drama. Uh, there's more stability, mm. I would say, um, and more career prospects. Um, if you know you're if if your English is down a writer or a yeah. teacher or yeah, etc. Yeah, so in comparison to being uh, a performer, yeah. you would say, or a dancer. So I think that, but you are right in terms of I think yeah, your parents, some of your parents, their parents can absolutely mm-hmm. influence the decision that you make in the career. And you are right in terms of you know it's because they only want to, and sometimes they can be quite hard because they want you to. And this is not just for black parents; just, I think this goes to any mm-hmm. sort of parent as well. So again, shout out to our white peers um, uh, who have experienced this, or their parents are exactly mm-hmm. the same. Um, but they do want you to prosper in. Uh, but talking about from the black experience, I do think that they want you to prosper in a world or a society that doesn't want yes. to but then equally I think they want you to have the best and not struggle in comparison to what they For did sure. or how they used or how they had to struggle when they came over yeah. as well so actually the opportunities the educational opportunities weren't necessarily no. the same when they came over when my mom came over from Jamaica so of course she's going to say right you know what you need to go for X, Y, and Z, be the best, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's, um, I agree uh, with uh, with what you're saying. Do you for think sure. you'll do the same with your kids? Or if you had ch- children, do you think you'd be the same way? Like kind of looking at how the job market is and how things are at the moment, yeah. do you think that you would, what would be your stance in terms of them and their careers and education? What would you advise them looking at how so, things are? So, yeah, like? I think... Um, would I be, what would be my stance um, with like my children in education? You know what? I would always encourage them to actually, you know, do what they want to do. I think it's important that they do take education seriously. Um, so in terms of like, you know, you've got like, I don't really know what that the subjects are anymore. And obviously the levels, I think you being the, pre- the ex-teacher, you could talk about, there's no GCSEs anymore. There's still numbers, right? Now. <laughs> so I definitely think that I would, uh, you know, get them to focus. I think education is massively important because I think the more that you learn, I think it really opens up your you know your opportunities and opens up like your vision uh, and your foresight for experiencing different things I think education is important but when it comes to obviously careers I think they need to decide on what they want to do and as long as you know they're doing something that makes them happy I think I absolutely can facilitate and I should support that I think that I don't want I mean what one thing I do know they're not necessarily going to be just like you know sitting at home and not doing anything I'm sorry Milking the system for benefits. That's right. not how that's not how my child's gonna operate. Yeah, no, I said it. Yeah, I said it. Um, yeah, with my whole chest as well. I did say it with my whole chest. Um, because I think it's important. No, I do think it's important. Like, you know what? Those that can work must work. So I am a true believer. I agree. In, you know what? And maybe and maybe this is the listen, I got my first job at 13. Right. I don't need my child to get the first job at 13. Mm-hmm. However, they need to appreciate <laughs> the, the the sense of money and actually how people get their money. Yeah. So you have to go to work, you have to engage and liaise with people who potentially are not like you. Who so in so I do That's think true. it's important that you instill that behavior and that mindset in 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 children. So yeah, I think like you know what? As long as education is important, sometimes I think some they might be good at things and not good at some other things, and that's okay. But I think I'll definitely mm-hmm. highlight like you know 
know what, you might not necessarily be great at this subject, but you seem to be really good at this subject. So let's support you in terms of to bring up like, the development area. But if you want to focus on the things that you're really great at, that's cool. But yeah, I'll be super supportive okay. in whatever career that they want to to, to have and have to take yeah. but as I said what we do what I do know is they will not be in this household milking the system for benefits and not working that's 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 no, not that doesn't no. work I think the benefits have to be utilized when they really exactly and it, it helps everyone's right everyone like even if you have to like you know maternity allowance job job seekers or universal credit whatever it is now um housing benefit everyone at some point in their life a hundred percent that system and I think that it should be accessed by people who right. really need it um, and not people like, I don't want to say sponging because I think sponging is wrong because sometimes I think they make it seem like people are just sponging. Um, some people really, like, do you know what it is? Like I can think of the example like in terms of like childcare, right? For some, there's a really great debate that's happened a couple of days ago, but they were saying that basically for some women, they're literally giving up their whole um, yeah. paycheck to pay for childcare. It's cheaper to go on universal credit and look after your kid at home than to stay at work and basically essentially give up your whole mm-hmm. paycheck. So your paycheck is basically a placeholder whilst you're waiting for your children to go to school. So I can see in some instances, like you could be like, why am I going to work five days a week when it, it's I'm not even seeing one penny of my salary because it's paying for my children to stay at nursery while mm-hmm. I go to work. I understand why people do those things so I'm not trying to judge people and I totally understand the system is is not for us it's not for us to win basically I mean come on like it's no they're never gonna give up free money but I do think that we shouldn't be encouraging our children to not have aspiration because there is a system there because that is gonna be yeah so I agree with that because I just think I think that in some families it can be where it's like mum and dad don't work grandma never worked so you don't even have that like inspiration mm. to go to work like mm. I don't know but yeah maybe someone can explain to me a bit more like maybe I'm not understanding but I just feel like yeah there's no need for if you can work go to work like why do you want to be at home getting free money I mean I love to be at home but getting free money is a sugar baby <laughs> that's different that's a job in its that's own way but baby. I mean <laughs> hilarious. but like the state money is not enough for the lifestyle I would like, so I'm gonna go to work. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's mm. not enough for me. It's not gonna pay for me to go to like I don't know, kimchi <laughs> for my lunch break. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> anyway, soz. We move on from there. We move on from there. Um. So, what is like your experiences working within like different sectors as a as a black person? Um, you know, obviously we can go through the whole career tra- trajectory mm. that you've had, but in terms of like in different, whether it's been public mm. facing, office facing, that what has been your experience? Yeah, I think I've had quite a varied experience, varied experience, I should say, um, in all the sectors that I've worked in. So um, retail, uh, obviously good old top shop, top man days. Two on four, two on four was 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 good. Um, on the weekends, everything was working Saturday, Sunday. It's interesting that on Saturday, Sunday, that's when all the ethnic people came out. <laughs> all they were they were working on Saturday, Sunday because we were yep. at university, we're doing our degrees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so I think you know, working in retail, um, I think yeah, retail super. Um, uh, diverse, I would say. Definitely on the weekend, saw people that looked like me. Um, I think everyone got on, um, and it was quite interesting. I think going into yeah. the corporate world and coming out of retail and then going into still working in retail but working in office, I was very aware that I was like a minority, a hundred and ten percent. Like I was in a national mm. team of fifty. I'll say national HR uh, professionals. I was like one, one of three black people. Um, so I was wow. very aware that there was absolutely a difference. And I did feel quite isolated, um, if I'm honest, because actually mm. I was looking around and I was just like, yeah, all these people are just, they just don't understand like my experience and, you know, what 
I'm here and what I'm about. Yeah. Um, so I think retail was super inclusive and super diverse, but going into the corporate world or corporate retail, I definitely think that, yeah, I am a minority. It's very evident that I am yeah. the only black guy within uh, national HR uh, function. This was in a previous employer. And my employer now, mm-hmm. I think the HR team is super, super diverse, which is awesome. But I am still very aware in the population, the head office population, I make up 6% mm-hmm. of that whole population. Um, so I still wow. think that, yeah, that my experiences have been varied in terms of, yes, I feel super um, included um, and diversity wouldn't necessarily be an issue. But I think, yeah, definitely coming into the corporate environment, I'll definitely say diversity, mm-hmm. inclusion is, uh, is, is some, it needs to be looked at, um, I would say. And I think mm-hmm. we'll get into kind of like, you know, semi-microaggressions that were faced later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's mm. been um, it's been quite interesting to see. I think yeah. when I was younger, I wouldn't necessarily say this stuff, it was at the forefront of my mind, obviously. I think because you're younger, you're a little bit naive, right? So I'm sure I probably yeah. had or experienced uh, things very differently when I was younger um, in comparison to now. Uh, but maybe I just don't remember. Um but yeah, it's been quite a varied experience. That's a very generic mm. uh, answer that I've given you. Yeah. Um, what about you? I think mine's quite similar, to be honest. But I did notice, like when when the retail days, that actually um, a lot of the managers were white, actually, and most of the the you could work your way up. You know, Topshop model. Anyway, shut down. So shit. I'm gonna talk. <laughs> um, the Topshop. <laughs> yeah. What's Philip Green gonna? He can't get to London now. Basically, the Topshop model is. You have standard advanced yeah. top level and you can work your way up with your little book um, and get to top level, which is never quite a manager, but you are, I guess, mm-hmm. supervising the people beneath you mm-hmm. on your shifts, basically. So you might be in charge of doing the rota. You might be in charge of just checking things out. Everyone's on top of what they're mm-hmm. meant to be doing during the shift. But then you notice that the managers, so the area, not area managers, yeah, brand managers, brand managers, managers, brand managers they yeah. were white actually there weren't that many black managers I think I can recall mm-hmm. two and I, I didn't work under them but that's who I can remember visually off the top of my head there might be more um but I think in retail it still would follow I think a similar model sometimes in that I feel like they were still implementing those that were in charge even on the shop floor were still could be mm. mostly white and I was used to obviously having people who were the same colour as me or ethnic minorities, maybe at a lower level, or at, at most a mm-hmm. supervisor, but not necessarily like an actual mm. manager, you know. Um, and I'm not going to say that's every single store. And obviously London is more diverse. So that of course, there's going to be black managers. I'm not saying that doesn't exist. But I think that the modelling of retail sort of gave me a tiny flavour of what it was going to be like when I left mm-hmm. to go and work. Um, so I worked in mm-hmm. teaching and teaching is very similar. A lot of the teachers, you get a lot of, um, not a lot, it's still predominantly white, mm-hmm. I would say. But you do get teachers from ethnic minorities mm-hmm. teaching. So Asian, black, you know, mixed race, whatever, teaching various subjects. Because obviously a lot of the time you also want to give back. And it's also one of those careers that parents tell you to do because it's a guaranteed mm-hmm. job. But as you move further up the senior management ch- chain in teaching, it becomes mm-hmm. more white. That's mm-hmm. just how it is. You might have some black members on the mm-hmm. board of governors um, for diversity's sake, but head teachers, often assistants, deputies tend mm-hmm. to be white. Um, and this can often be the case as well in areas which are in high numbers of yeah. minorities. I've also noticed that. So when I did move to a school where there was a black head teacher and also I think there's one black deputy, I was really hoping for a positive experience. But this woman was a cow and I I hope I get to meet her again. I'm still waiting uh, for the day I bump into her because she's been given another executive role. I feel sorry for anyone who has children working on this woman because you know what? Not all skin folk are kin folk. And she was one of these black women who was gatekeeping black posts. Um, and basically not allowing people to move up, including my manager who was, or head of, who was a lovely, more than capable woman, outstanding every single um, observation, as in motivating, hardworking, Mm. everything that you would want to learn from someone. And she Mm. was a black woman. So everything that I would want to learn in terms of being a young Mm. black teacher, she gave 150% every time, but overlooked her every single time 
for senior mm. roles, which was just a joke. And giving it to people who were, um, you know, young white teachers who were fresh out. I mean, as I've been teaching longer than yeah. some of them. Um, and giving them, um, you know, higher mm. jobs. So it was very kind of like sad to think that, okay, even so, I'm still not able to move up because like the woman who I thought would see that black members of staff could accept, I'm not saying you need to move all of us up, but you're not moving anyone up other mm. than your mates. So that was, again, really shocking. Like to think that's still going on, even with, it's like, I don't understand. It's like you're modeling something that you know is not beneficial to black people. So why mm. would you still do that? Um, so to be honest, like I, I don't always look at an organization and think, oh, there's a black person in post. That means I'm going to be treated better because I learned very quickly mm. that's not the case for me. Um, but I know that's not the case for everybody. But I do think there are some black people who like to gatekeep and don't want anyone else to come through. Interesting. Um, which is really sad. That's really yeah, interesting. I'm saying it. I do think there are people that gatekeep. They don't want other black people. You get it in the influencer world, you get it in like um retail, you get it in marketing, you get it in a lot of sectors. There's only one black. And the reason why that model even exists is because even with slavery, it's one black. They are top the, the, dog the, of the, the masses. masses. Yeah, favorite, yeah. yeah. So it's and you're still following that model without even realizing that you're not letting other black people through. No one's telling you, you got to give them the blueprint of what you did. However, if you have the financial onus, if you have the time to mentor, if you have the time to support young black people, giving back to your community, so letting us know that you're doing Gucci Gucci. Gucci Gucci, I love it. I'm yeah. over it. I'm sorry. I am not a rich auntie and I do not yeah. aspire to yeah. that lifestyle. Like rich auntie, people are confusing what it means. You don't have to be flashing designer to let people know you're successful. What lets people know you're successful is that you are building an enterprise of other young black people who can come yeah. through as well. Like, because you're not going to be top dog forever. You're going to be old. Yeah, and no, it's die. true. So who's going to take over I your agree. post when yeah. you're done? Then we've got something for our children. So I just feel like it's a conversation for another day, but I definitely think sometimes there are, we have to be careful of saying, oh, well, it needs to be black people in positions of power. If they're not actually doing anything to dismantle the table racism yeah. as it stands, they're not doing anything. And I think, yeah, change. no, you know what? I highlight um, and I salute everything that you say, because it is about actually, you know what? Like, I think it is something that we might need to pick up in another uh, another episode. Um, but I do think that, you know what? I, we, I know as part of this episode, we'll go, we'll get into it actually having that one person or that one black person that's in a position of power actually like what their roles and responsibility is because sometimes it can be quite heavy to be at the top and you're like shit I need to carry the weights and the problems of my people on my back alone but then I do think on the flip side actually if you are in a position of power what things are you doing to amplify the voices the positions the talent of uh black and minority ethnic people I think in a, in a, in a workplace it's not just around actually you know what okay cool I've seen uh, uh Kyle Kyle looks like me so actually I'm just going to focus on the black male experience actually it's about minority mm -hmm. ethnic across the board but I do agree with you in terms of yeah you will get those people that have that, that gatekeep luckily I've never experienced that luckily I've never experienced that yeah a potentially because I have never oh I've had one black manager in my lifetime um, and that mm -hmm. was in retail. That was actually in Touch the Top Man. Um, uh, but yeah, I haven't had any uh, black manager in the corporate world. I have never mm. been line managed by a black. And I've been in the corporate world for coming up to 14 years. So that's quite interesting. Wow. That's 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 mm. massively um, that's massively interesting. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we've talked about obviously you know the experience that we've had um being in the corporate uh being in our in our world um uh, so yeah. like i think biases has definitely played a big part um yes, yes. of uh of being um of yeah being played a big part of obviously my experience and i'm sure your experience as well within the workplace and i just mm -hmm. want to find out from you what biases have been at play that have had like any negative impacts on you as an individual you know what like i grew up in a very diverse area even though it was like in a zone two you know i grew up in Vauxhall. 
Stockwell area. And I know people put, I think people thought it was a very black area when uh, we were younger, but it wasn't really a fully black area. But with my primary school, like it was mm. quite mixed. There was a lot of like Portuguese, white, Chinese, etc. kids in our school. So it was very diverse. And so when I, when I got to secondary school, obviously, I, I think I talked about it previously, it was a very black school. By the time I got to work, um, it was quite interesting, the dynamics when you suddenly are one of the mm-hmm. only blacks in the village. And I think it was also interesting because obviously I've grown up with mm-hmm. white Londoners and white Londoners are a lot more exposed and a lot more mm-hmm. savvy to cultures. I'm very sorry if I'm about to start going on people who are not from London, but most of the microaggressions I have received in the workplace have been from people who are not from this city. And I'm very passionate about London. I'm very, I grew up here. So I don't really want to hear people when people bash it, I get really irritated because I'm like, you didn't grow up here. You're coming here at the gentrified state True. of London and thinking, oh yeah, the blacks are over there. And, um, you know, oh yeah, we'll go here for a curry, but we're not really going to mix with the locals. Oh yeah. But, yeah. You know, all of that stuff you're talking about. It's not the London that Londoners grew up in. Yeah. It was, I'm not saying there was never no racism or whatever, but I think that you could have a chat with Sally, Bob, Gary, and it really wasn't as much of an issue. Like they, they are used to seeing black people. Okay. That's my viewpoint. I'm not saying that's for everybody. So when I have entered the workplace and thankfully I have not experienced it in the place I work now, everybody's really lovely. It's a very nice team. None of that's happened. So I'm just saying in case someone's listening, it's not any of you guys. I love you guys. But in a previous workplace, two workplaces before, um, I work for a small business and the woman herself is, is a nice lady. I've got nothing bad to say about her. But I was the only black person in this team of 10, maybe 10, 12 people. Um, and it's interesting because if you are from a, your upbringing is working class or poorer in London, there's things you've never, might never have accessed. Like unless I, I only went to museums and exhibitions when I went to school Mm. like I didn't go my mom would not take me on the weekend because either she was working or we were having to do like it's not you wouldn't take it sounds awful I'll take my child to the museum now but that's because I'm older and I I, like I've lived here and I'm like oh I have that access to that but if you're talking about immigrant parents who just come to London like they might not necessarily see that so you're not always culturally Mm. aware of like things that like maybe your white peers are and when I say white peers I'm talking about people who are from much more wealthier backgrounds or a different kind of status quo to you so they would talk about things that I didn't really know, but I didn't care because I was here to collect my coin and leave. So I'm not bothered. I'm not here to make friends. That's the attitude I, I often approach work. And if I make friends Benefit. with people, that's amazing. Yeah. If I don't, I don't care um, because I have my friends out of work. So one day I come in and there was one particular girl I worked with. I don't really care if she's listening. I don't give a shit. And to be honest, if she wants to challenge me about the conversation, we can because I found what you said was a microaggression. But anyway, we worked together. This is a girl who is, her parents are, they have a house in the depths of Surrey. Like, you know, a massive house. Now, if you know about Surrey, this this is where millionaires have their houses. Mm-hmm. Talking about footballers and stuff. They'll buy in Surrey. They've got money. Um, Letting me know that her parents used to squat. So they obviously, you know, your parents used to squat. Wow, I wish my mum could have squatted. But they would have taken her passport away her and sent her back to Ghana. <laughs> So your parents have squatted and have made their riches or whatever. I don't know the background of their story. I don't really care. Good for them, whatever. They've bought their house. Maybe they've worked their asses off and they've bought it. Fantastic. So now you own a property in, um, you know, in a southern suburb, suburb. You are covered in, you know, tattoos or whatever. And like, I'm glad that you can go to work and look like that. Because I find my, I was covered in tattoos and my hair was dyed pink or had a pink weave in. I'm pretty sure I'll be called in by the MD to say that's not appropriate for work. But yet again, another thing, black women, we're police about our mm. hair, how we approach and how we look, make ourselves look for work. So anyway, for some weird reason, she's telling me, because I was working out at the time quite heavily and we're talking about going to the gym and she says to me, oh yeah, I've joined this gym in XY area. I was like, oh, okay, cool. She's like, yeah, there's those beautiful black men in that gym. Excuse me? I put my coffee cup down. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Yeah, just loads of beautiful black men. Why are you telling me this? I was so yeah. confused. 
what 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 has that got to do with the mm. conversation? Okay, so you want to let me know you like black men? Is what is it that you want to tell me? Because all the partners you've had are white, so I'm a bit confused. As anyway, what you're telling me. Then on top of that, this was at the time when Beyonce released Formation, and obviously remember the video shared a lot of. Um, iconography images relating to the black experience yeah. and Black Lives Matter because at that time it was there was again another burst of bruti- bru- police brutality yeah. going on. So we come into work, the video's launched, and uh, the girl says to me, "I don't really get this video." I was like, "Oh well," I'm like, "Okay, I guess I'm the black person. I've got to see what's <laughs> going on here." Um, I was like, "Well, you know, obviously she's addressing the police brutality or whatever." She's like, "Yeah, but." I don't understand Beyonce. Like, she's in a beautiful dress. Why is she letting her beautiful dress get wet in the water? Because there's a scene where Beyonce's on a police car, right? And it's, like, sinking into the water. It's such a beautiful dress. I don't understand. Like, oh, my God, why is she doing that? Is she... Yeah, she's not... You're tapped. (laughs) So... um, And then, like, every time it's like, yeah, oh, my God, what's going on with, like, the Black Lives Matter? It's just disgusting. And And I thought to myself, you know what, darling? Don't ask me as a black person because I can't tell you why. I don't know why people are doing it. If you feel that you want to be going out in all these gentrified areas and you can see with your own Mm. eyes what gentrification, poverty does to black and Asian groups of people, why don't you fix up and open your mouth to go and do something and talk to your white peers about it? That's how I see it. To any white people listening, do not come and ask black people about what's happening in terms of the black world and black space because we live it every day. And in the workplace, that's not, that's mm. even worse of a place to have a conversation about it because you're putting us on the spot and you're asking us to be the fly the flag for black issues in the workplace. And I'm not sure why I'm having to do that because I didn't cause the issue in the first place. It, I didn't cause it. I'm just, I'm defaulted to feel that problem because I'm black. So sometimes I have found in the workplace that when uncomfortable situations come up, that sometimes my white peers have not looked at each other to ask why the problem is happening. They've come to the black folk to give the answer and to solve it. And I can't solve that for you. I mean... I didn't create it. Yeah, no, you know what? I could, sorry, did you finish? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. No, I'm not saying I'm not against diversity in the workplace. I've probably gone off a little bit on what your question was, but I'm just... It, in terms of my questions I've ex- mm. experienced, a lot of it has t- been to do with the uncomfortability of when there are black issues, um, you know, I've had the whole, is that your hair, whatever. At this point in time, I've been on this planet for so long, I don't give a shit. If you don't know about weave mm. and hair extensions, let me direct you to Kim Kardashian because she'll mm. let you know about it. Um, but I feel like when there's issues going on yeah. globally, I felt quite uncomfortable as a black person in the workplace because I feel like the, the white people sometimes will look to black people to answer the question. And I can't answer it because I didn't yeah. make it happen. Okay, cool. So I just wanted to, I, I, I hear what yeah. you're saying. I think I'm just too doing it. I'm taking a different kind of spin on it. Um, because whilst I appreciate, and you know what, I'm there for, I'm, I'm there for everything that you're saying. I do feel that, and do you not think that, it, if, let's say, for example, you've got a white peer or a colleague who um, absolutely, they can educate themselves on the internet. They can educate themselves on watching new documentaries, etc. But they would like to have a conversation to understand actually your experience and actually like what is, if they ask you, I've got an idea of what things that we can do, but I want to hear from yeah. your from your perspective as a black individual in that community. What more do you think? Yeah. What can, what do you think that we can do? Is that a problem? Um, I don't mind if you want to have a conversation with me about my experiences, but it's not my job to fix the problem for you. Because no, I, yeah. I think black people have been having that conversation for so long with what needs to be done. And, yeah. and I just think I'm happy to share my experiences, yeah. no matter if it makes you feel comfortable to hear that. And I can point you in the direction of books and I can point you in the direction of resources. But I, as a black person, I actually... We're trying to dismantle power at our level, but we are not on the level pegging with the people who are causing yeah. the problem. You have an advantage over me because you have yeah. white skin. So actually, if you want to find out what's going on, why don't you go and ask the CEO why they're not employing more sure. black people? Because I can't yeah. tell you. So why don't you go and ask the CEO why um, uh, Latoya has, I don't know, been doing her job for 15 years 
as an administrator and can probably like organize this office from mm. top to bottom, why has she never been offered a promotion? Why have you got people come in who've only been doing the job for yeah. two years come in and be like the managing director of that yeah. of that team? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the I reasons think, why yeah, I was just asking the question because I think there is a bit of a debate, and I've had a debate with quite a few people in the past actually around actually the responsibility of black people to educate or the responsibility of ethnic minority groups or members of the ethnic minority communities in educating others around the experience and the issues that are at hand. And whilst I agree with what you're saying in terms of actually, I, you don't, for me, I don't have, it's not my responsibility to, um, uh, what do you call it, to, uh, I'm not, I don't want to say support the individual on their journey or fix problems. It's not my responsibility to fix the problem because, I, to your point, I didn't create the problem in the first place. However, I think from my perspective, if someone wanted to have an, a conversation with me around actually my experience and actually, you know what, you are, I've been doing some research and this is what I found and this is what I found and these are the questions that I I, 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 I I would like to ask and actually if they feel comfortable to ask me those questions and we have that relationship then I do feel that you know what what I'm not nothing's been taken away from me to help support that individual on that journey not by fixing the problem but by me sharing their experience my experience with them if they've got questions because I do feel sometimes there is a bit of and as I said I've had debates with other people and they're like you know what as I'm black it's not my responsibility to educate a white person about Mm -hmm. what racism is granted because actually racism is there and I don't feel that it's your responsibility but if an individual I just feel sometimes if there are individuals who are willing to learn about the struggles the inequalities or other people's cultures and that goes vice versa so if a black person wants to learn about a white person whatever right I do feel that we should be open to have that conversation because I think that if you're not open to have that conversation, you shut it down. And therefore, where else is that person, where else is that person going to go? And obviously they might experience, let's say, for example, I come to you, I'm a white person, I come to you, we want to have a conversation and you shut me down. Shit, I thought that me and Latoya had that relationship. Okay, cool, you know, I'm not going to say anything. I don't know how I can be an ally. I don't know how I can show up and show out for that community because Mm. actually I don't have anyone to have that conversation with. So I do feel that Mm-hmm. while I agree with you I don't know if this is making sense um but I, I, I agree is, with yeah. you in terms of I don't think it's our responsibility to fix the problems because we didn't create the problems in the mm-hmm. first place however I do mm-hmm. feel that if someone is willing to learn and willing to understand how can I get involved to support you or to support or actually mm-hmm. how do I um um I've got I feel a particular type of way and I've done some research if they if they're willing to to, to take that step and look inwards actually mm-hmm. what is my fucking contribution to this right mm-hmm. what can I do let me bounce this idea off of Latoya and Ewer I do feel that we have a responsibility yeah. to facilitate that conversation not fix a problem but facilitate conversation yeah. that's my view and it might be <laughs> I agree with elements with it so I, like, I definitely agree like we should facilitate the conversation but the, the re- only reason why I hesitate to facilitate conversations about it is because I think a lot of black people have facilitated a lot of conversations, especially after last year. A lot of conversations were had, a lot of people putting up that fucking black square. Oh, drop me out. I'm listening and learning, listening and learning, listening and learning. Um, It's now one year later. I have seen very minimal change from corporations about what's happened. So I think, you know what? Like, I'm happy to have it on a personal level Mm. with people. But I think the conversation, and again, like I can tell you my experiences and this is what I've had. And I'm really happy for you to to empathize and have some understanding. But it's then what is your next steps? Because if I've told you yeah. this is the experience that we're, we're having and, and also sometimes I think people can see it, but they can't see it because they're not the person mm. experiencing it. So I totally understand. But I also think that, I think I, I, I had, I, I can't remember who I had this conversation with or whatever, but someone they were talking about like liberals and wokeism and um and and I really can't remember what I had this is either in a dream or I had it with somebody or I watched it but basically the the comment was is that to be liberal and to say you're woke and obviously the 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 term has been like hijacked so it doesn't even mean what it mm. originally meant but when we say woke as in what British society has claimed it as if you're woke and you're liberal and you really believe in equality for everybody, then you must stop telling the oppressed that you empathise with them without actually doing something about what the oppressor is doing. 
That's how mm. I see it. So you can be liberal and say, I have black friends and I totally understand, I stand with you. But in the same token, if you're not challenging the people who are at the top, then I don't understand what, what your purpose is. You might as well leave the oppressed to try and sort mm. it out themselves because there seems to be this kind of middle ground of people who are saying they do all these things and they support but I'm not understanding what really, I don't understand what you're doing. I feel like what's happening is you're actually watering down our movements. You're watering down our feelings to make it more palatable to British press or to British media. And what's happening is actually they're laughing at us. They're literally like saying, oh, well, positive discrimination in the workplace. Because that's the thing, isn't it? Where you mm. have to hire yeah, true. To hire like one black person, which in theory is a really great mm. tool. But what is happening is that's been hijacked mm-hmm. and now it's seen as like a, it should be who's best for the mm-hmm. job. Not who's black or mm-hmm. who's Asian, which is true. It should be who's best for the job. But do you not understand why that even has to be mm-hmm. used in the first place? Because we don't get a foot mm-hmm. in the door. So I'm happy to facilitate in case there's any more white people listen like, don't go to the toy and talk about black issues. I will, but I'm going to give you the yeah. tea. So if you're prepared to yeah, but you, uh, yeah, and I hear, and from what you were talking about, I definitely think there's almost like the. I, I feel there is, and I know we'll probably get into when we explore this, not in this episode, probably the next parts, because we are already getting into it now in the workplace, and we're on part one. I'm looking at the time. I'm just like mad. We can't let it go over longer than an hour and a half. Uh, but yeah, we'll definitely kind of explore it in part two. But I think there is kind of like yeah. an exploration and people to understand the difference between ally, saviour mentality and being an accomplice, right? And actually the relationship yes, yes. between the three of them. Because I do feel when you have sure. that white saviour mentality, the white saviour complex, it's actually quite self, self-serving. self Right, and we'll go into mm. that allyship. It will be very different, and being an accomplice, it'll be, as they all have very different definitions. So I, I do, do feel, um, but there is a um, there is a relationship to be explored between all three, and actually what that looks like to, uh, on face value, but then what it feels like when you get into nitty gritty, and what it feels like for the community. So I do feel that we need to explore maybe in part two actually the differences between that savior yeah, ally sure. and being an accomplice as well, because I think some people show up and they show out but there's different measures of show up and show out right so some people don't think like okay let me show up and show up by posting the black square Uh, uh, yeah okay and then deleting it from the feed because it doesn't match with the aesthetic oh mad chewed out (laughs) taught the tings girl taught the tings been a year later it's not there no more so Hmm. let me not even begin but yeah, I, to be honest, as I said, like I've got white in-laws, I've got white friends. So I know that these are not people I'm talking about because I do believe that they are allies and I think they are comfortable with having these conversations mm-hmm. with me. But the thing is, is that I think people need to understand that in the workplace, sometimes people are protecting their position. I understand, like I said about the black, mm-hmm. black gatekeeping, people don't want to, you know, mess that up. But I do think that, you know... Like you said, the the relationship between the three is all slightly mm. different. But it's I think like for white people listening, even if you are ally ally or you think that you do support, think about your peers that you work with. Think about your your white peers that you work with in the office. Where would you put them? Because because you you might be like I understand black issues, mm. I support my black colleagues with all this stuff going on. But do you think the rest of your team yeah. do? Do you think your managers do that? You know, and that's why I get a bit like I cannot speak you at work I can't tell you what's going on because you can see like I the last place I worked in before this job I am not saying that my manager was racist however if you think that it's okay to talk to me in certain ways and to the point where she was doing it to me in front of members of my Mm. team who were a bit like "Mm, this is a little bit Mm. Now, I'm not going to call her racist because I, I don't think she's mm. racist. However, I do think that she pre- prefers a particular type of black mm-hmm. person. You know, the kind that goes to like, um, not even Shoreditch House, that's probably a bit too local. Um, you know, <laughs> probably a bit too local, isn't it? But, you know, members mm. clubs and like, you know, go to the theatre and because there are black people who do that. There's black people who do that who are not even in those circles, but it's a particular type. And because I don't think I fit that type of black person I think she felt she could talk to me a certain mm. way and treat me a certain way until I had to become <laughs> in the <Yeah>. office. <laughs> 
after that, you're scared to ask me to do stuff, and rightly so. Because actually, I've been very respectful and very polite to you, but now you are using, because I don't know, I don't listen to certain things, I'm not listening to classical music on the weekend, um, you know, you, you know, you you probably think you're diverse because you know Fela Kuti. Well done, congratulations mm. to you. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, because I'm not in the, those circles, I'm being treated yeah. a certain way. All I did was be born like I didn't ask mm. to be treated this way I didn't ask you know it's just that lack of respect in the workplace that I think some people no one wants to be called a racist right especially at work nobody wants to be called racist but the thing is the microaggressions thing uh other black people could mm-hmm. spot them but then I just wonder am I blind like do other white people not mm. spot them that's just all mm. I want to know do you really not see like yeah comments yeah I think for me, I think in the workplace as well, and I think it's the uh, in the workplace the microaggressions that I've experienced has been it's more around um, oh god like uh, labels I would say so for example like if I'm uh, if I disagree with something well, you're really passionate about this so you're emotional or uh, uh, assertive or not assertive I would say oh you're a bit you're a bit you're a bit spicy today you were. Um, uh, your divas coming out that's really annoying that really irritates me um, because it's almost like okay cool would you call a white gay man or my white gay peer uh, a diva mm, but you label me as a diva because I'm gonna be I know what I want and I think it makes sense and I'm happy to facilitate and meet in the middle but if I disagree with some certain things and it's said like you know that um, I'm labeled as a diva and it's all said in a jokey way and you know sometimes it's just like okay cool I could take a joke like any other person but actually this is not the right time like and it's said so publicly as well um so it's almost said as like a compliment okay cool you it's a bit spicy today everyone give me what you want but I'm like don't Mm -hmm. don't don't do that because it then comes across as though I get bullish Mm -hmm. and then actually I bore people into Mm -hmm. actually what I want and that's actually not the case I'm just saying actually we need to have uh, quite a debate, a conducive argument or counter argument in order to get the right solution for the right product or for the mm-hmm. for, 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 yeah for the right intent so I do feel that there's been kind of like those aspects um of microaggressions definitely within the workplace that um I've experienced I couldn't tell to say that yeah. you know I've had from your experience like having a manager who's spoken to me in a different way I don't think mm. I've I haven't yeah no I haven't experienced that um I have um uh, I know this might be a little bit off topic, but there was a, a situation where I was working with a colleague. Let's be careful. Uh, working with a colleague and a, and and a group of colleagues, I should say. Um, and mm. um, what was it? I came into work, and it was summer, and I wasn't wearing, uh, you know, the corporate whatever the the uh, my brand. Yeah. I wasn't wearing my brand because sometimes I'm like, you know what, my brand doesn't necessarily suit me. I'm not American preppy. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not, not hitting. hitting. I'm calling like the 90s kind of, yeah. you know, kind of like, kind of rough yeah. and ready, kind of classy kind of hood at the same time kind of look. So <laughs> I came in a two-piece, right? It's just matching shorts, matching shirt set from Zara. I looked banging. It was um, it was a hot day. And obviously that was the talk of obviously the office. Like, you know, you were, he's dressing. Wow. Oh, love your two-piece you were. This looks great, blah, blah. And I had some compliments. And then equally I had some, it's like, oh my God, like this is this is a bit different. I'm like, yeah, 100% it's different because it's warm. So I'm not going to be hitching up myself in a in a jumper, right? And some chinos, because chinos mm. are not me. And I remember someone said something or a group, I was coming into a meeting um, and I was the only black person in the meeting. Um, and someone, yeah. what did the person say? Someone said something. And at that point I had enough, right? And then I was like, um, I said, yeah, well, you know what? It's all about the black boy magic. So that's what I said. Love it. Um, and that was a reaction. And then I think someone said, oh, does that mean that I can um, have like white boy? Someone said something. Does that mean that I can have white boy magic? I was like, no, your white boy magic is your privilege. Oh. And I hope. And they took me there. I'm so sorry. I know I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> that's it. God. I, I-, <laughs> I bet you could have like heard a pin drop. 
<laughs> after you said it. Yeah, I sorry, know. Guys, the sirens in the background. No, yeah, sorry. I know. Um, yeah, and I think you know what? I just was I was taken there, and I didn't mean it to come across like that. But it was so I was just so annoyed that that was that my outfit was a topic of conversation, and just because obviously I don't dress like anybody else, um, and you know I'm I'm a little bit daring with of, with my fashion, like you know what I mean, and I like to like have a bit of fun with it. Um, but yeah, it was just a topic of conversation throughout the whole day, and in that meeting, I didn't want it to be a topic of conversation because I'm here to do actually what we need to do. I'm here to talk about how actually how what I look like, what For I sure. look like. Oh my god, like your outfit's amazing. No, shut up. Um, so yeah, it kind of like came out a bit of a like a Freudian slip there. That's disappointing. Um, <laughs> was I apologetic? No, I wasn't actually. I wasn't. No. I wasn't. I was just like, yeah, no, that's no. a privilege. And it was silence. Yeah. So I was like, but anyway, we move. So the meeting. <laughs> Let's resume. But so I would say that, yeah, those have been kind of like some of like, you know, the the, the challenges or the microaggressions that I have faced. Yeah. That has impacted my experience. But I do feel that the reasons why I enjoy uh, looking after the whole aspects of inclusion and diversity, because I know from firsthand actually what it feels like. Now, I'm not the spokesperson for every minority ethnic person within the mm. organisation, Um but I, I, I do feel, yeah, I have a responsibility just due to the position that I'm in to open and mm. educate the business and move the business forward in the whole IND sphere and what it feels like for a minority ethnic yeah. population inequalities that um, we have. Hence the reason why I feel quite passionately around if someone wanted to have a conversation, I think we are responsible for not responsible, but I think we, you know, we could facilitate conversations oh, with, sure. with individuals. I, I think, you know what, we can. I just think, at the end of the day, if you're an organisation and you're employing like a chief executive officer or whatever of IND, um, and that person, because what I find is that the, the people they employ, still the work around inclusion and diversity, is still quite kept separate from the people who are in the diverse mm-hmm. group, if that makes sense. So I often find that the decisions are made. I'm not even sure who's consulted to make the decisions. I mean, that could be just in my working experience. I've never been part of a working group. Um, The working group doesn't seem to, unless I'm just not noticing these things, but I don't see how, are you doing surveys with black staff or Asian staff? Are you asking women what they want? Who are you talking to, to get these results? And I think, if you're not consulting the people who are, you know, impacted by these kind of decisions or, you know, the lack of um, um, the lack of jobs or promotion available to them, then I don't really know what's going to mm. change because I, you know, my working life has been a long time, like everyone else's. And, you know, even now, like, you know, that kind of imposter syndrome is doubled because I'm black and I'm a woman. Like, I feel like it's even more because I feel like I don't see people who look like me. Um, whereas I think now maybe with younger black people, because we have things like influencers and social media, they're building their own spaces, which is lovely to see. Like, I do like to see that they're becoming their own girl bosses or whatever. But in the corporate world, if you are not making space for, like, black Asian, Chinese, all the ethnic minority groups to move up, then we have to co-opt our own spaces. And that in itself shouldn't be happening because I'm not saying we shouldn't have our own spaces, but we live here. Why do we have to make our own space in order to... The space should be there already. We should be integrated. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I think there's a long way to go with the Mm. workplace. I mean, institutional racism doesn't exist, apparently. So, you know, we've got a long way to go with fighting against a system that already told us. It's basically gaslighting mm-hmm. us. Um, and I'm not really sure if we'll see change. I hope to see some change, but I don't know if I'll see it in my lifetime, is what I yeah. think. I'm not sure. That sounds really sad, doesn't no, it? No, I, so, I think, not, it's, I think it's real. Sure. I think there is change that's on the yeah. horizon, but I think it's going to take a very long time. I think, obviously, like, our children's yeah. generation, there might necessarily, there probably will be changed, but I wouldn't necessarily. I agree with you. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that there'll be. Uh, I'm not going to experience it uh, to the intensity yeah. of what I would have l- liked to. I would say. So, yeah. yeah, I agree yeah. with you. I think that's it. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, people are taking up in there. You know, there was an exodus, not last year, I think the year before, but there's been a mass exodus of young first gen um, black. 
um, women and men who are taking their degrees and their business models back to Africa and mm. the Caribbean to really propel and to to invest back in the countries mm. they've come from. And actually, I think you might see more of that, especially post-pandemic, yeah. that people are going to study here. And I know people say abuse the system, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's not free, is it? It's coming out True. of our salaries. You know, so they're going to come and study, get the access, and then maybe take it back and do things in their home countries, mm-hmm. which I don't think is a bad thing. And maybe, like, if we're trying to find our space, maybe that's what mm-hmm. we need to do. Yeah, you know? true. True, <laughs> true. Okay, so we're going to bring uh, part one to uh, part, part one. one. Oh my God, part one. This is probably going to be like a juicy one. Uh, we're going to bring part one to a close. Yeah. So um, we hope that you enjoyed uh, the conversations that we were having, both myself and Latoya. Um, I think it's important to say that everyone's experience is very different. And actually, you know, throughout this whole yeah. season, Noir and Black and Back black and back Again, uh, this has been more of, we really wanted to share with you our personal experiences. And please, um, for all of our wigs snapchats that don't fall into the minority ethnic groups uh we love you and we really appreciate obviously like you taking the time to listen please 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 don't take it as we are um uh anti uh, because we're not um i think it's really important that we share our experiences and equally it'll be great to hear from you as well so if you have any feedback or if you'd like to get involved please feel free to reach out to us and offer a difference of um opinion because obviously myself and latoya are not white uh so yeah you will see us again um, in part two of Good Morning Black Britain, where we'll definitely be kind of be exploring um, a little bit more in terms of the workplace, some stats, and actually that whole relationship between allyship, uh, saviour mentality, and equally the accomplice, accomplice as well. And then equally what organisations can do um, in order to move the needle a little bit for minority ethnic uh, groups in the workplace. Um, so, yes. yeah. Hope you enjoyed. Sorry so long. Hope you had a couple There you go. Cool. <laughs> um so with uh i think that yeah that's it we're gonna close off we hope you enjoy yeah. uh, this episode and whatever you're doing as i said as Latoya said it'd be great if you have a cup of tea but we'll see you around in part two take care see you later bye, bye. see ya bye <laughs>